Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Ben Johnson, an attorney at the Nyland Johnson Lewis Law Firm in Minneapolis. He's a specialist in business litigation, and he's going to tell us all about some of the most important OSHA issues you need to know about right now. All that and more on today's episode. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing and one of the hosts of Power Tips Unscripted. And we're here today to talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hi, everybody. You know, this is one of those topics that people don't want to think about a lot, but it's so important to know about and pay attention to because it could make the difference between staying in business or going out of business and everything in between. Today we have with us Ben Johnson. As Mark said, he's an attorney at Nyland Johnson Lewis, and he represents companies involved in business litigation, including issues that commonly arise in the construction industry, like contract disputes, defect claims, and warranty disputes. He also specializes in defending companies in matters involving personal injury, product liability, and workplace safety. Welcome aboard, Ben. Hi. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're delighted to have you, although you're going to be talking about the the, the word OSHA. Yeah, yeah. it's like in um, Harry Potter, the whole, the, the one that we don't, what, how is it? The, in the person who can't shall, be named shall, be, shall not shall be, be named, named yeah. or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the department. agency that must not be named. <laughs> That's OSHA. right. That's, That's right. That's definitely the case with OSHA. Yes, absolutely. OSHA is one of those things that um, people hear about and they know that there are things they should be doing to comply with OSHA. They know that uh, there's the potential that they could get in trouble and could get fined by OSHA. But it's also one of those things that's easy just to not pay attention to to not do your homework and to not be prepared. And then uh, when you're not prepared, you, uh, you take on a lot of risk and mm-hmm. potentially, you know, risk to your business if you, get, if you get in trouble with OSHA. So you've been doing this for quite a while, right? I have, yeah. So what are, you know, what are some of the things that you have seen that people just decided to ignore or didn't know about? Or, you know, what do you see that's most commonly an issue? with OSHA regulations? Well, one of the biggest things, particularly for small businesses, is that there's a misconception that OSHA doesn't even apply to certain small businesses. And we need to nip that misconception in the bud right away. Um, OSHA applies to all uh, private employers, with the exception of of, uh, things like farmers, um, very limited exceptions. But Remodelers certainly uh, are required to comply with OSHA. The only exception um, that exists for, for small employers is uh, something that your, your clients may have heard of, and that's the 10-employee rule. And some mm-hmm. people think, well, if I've, got, if I've got fewer than 10 employees, OSHA doesn't apply to me. And that's mistaken. You do need to comply with all of the OSHA requirements, mm. except if you have fewer than 10 employees, you don't have to complete some mandatory uh, reporting when you have workplace injuries. So it's a pretty limited exception, but you still need to comply with, with the rest of OSHA's construction standards. So if you're over 10, you have to do a certain amount of reporting online or however. But if you're under 10, you still have to keep the records, but you don't necessarily have to report on it. Is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, sort of. You actually don't even need to keep the records technically. OSHA couldn't come to you and say, hey, give me all your, your workplace injury records for the past few years because you're not required to keep those. Um, However, it's still good practice to, to do so, to have records for any workplace injuries. But if you do have uh, something very serious happen, for instance, a, uh, God forbid, a, a death on a workplace or uh, multiple employees hospitalized, you still do need to report that to OSHA. The only exception, if you've got fewer than 10 employees, is that you just don't need to maintain these kind of onerous uh, workplace accident records and then submit those periodically to OSHA. So what should our remodelers do if they are on a work site and an OSHA inspector shows up? What should, how should they handle that? Well, uh, that's a great question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back up before we even get to the OSHA inspector showing up and what you should do then. Before that, you should have a policy in place, and and a lot of workplaces have these, a lot of employers have them, a lot of contractors have them, a lot don't unfortunately. But you should have your own OSHA compliant workplace safety program, and as part of that, and it could be part of your employee handbook if you have it. You should have recommended practices for when an OSHA inspector shows up. Mm-hmm. so that your employees know what to do and they're not caught off guard and they don't speak out a turn or, or volunteer something that they don't need to to an OSHA inspector. So that's what I'd say first. But uh, assuming you, you don't have that, that plan in place, an OSHA inspector shows up, the very first thing you want to do is ask for that person's credentials. You want to know who they are, what, what position they are, make sure that they actually are an OSHA inspector mm-hmm. and not just somebody else trying to sneak onto your job site to take a look at, you know. Has that happened? uh, I haven't seen it, but, you know, crazy stuff can happen. So (laughs) we want to be careful. You want to make sure that you've got uh, an actual ocean inspector there. And then you want to have a conversation with that person. The instructions for ocean inspectors, what they should do is they uh, have sort of a general conference with you at at a job site before doing any sort of inspection. So they're not supposed to just come onto a job site and just freely start wandering around and, and see what they see. You want to sit down and have a conversation with them. And hopefully if you've done some training and instructed your employees uh, ahead of time, they should know that if an OSHA inspector shows up, they need to call you immediately and you need to get there and tell them to have the OSHA inspector hold off until you arrive, that you're going to be there and then you can sit down and have that conversation. Okay. Now, when you when you start having that conversation, you want to know the reason that the OSHA inspector showed up in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's there's different programs that the OSHA inspectors uh, comply with. It could be that they got a complaint from one of your employees or from somebody passing by that said, uh, I saw a bunch of employees up on the roof doing work. They didn't have fall protection in place. That looks like a hazard. So the OSHA inspector could be there to take a look at something very specific. Or it could be just part of a, a, a general kind of compliance program. And they do that. They'll target just regular job sites. It could be for a particular reason. It might be because uh, they think that there's some lead exposure, some asbestos exposure, or it's just particularly hazardous for some reason. So you want to kind of drill down on what reason they're there for, and then hopefully you can help to limit the inspection to that reason. So if there was a particular complaint, you want to know that up front, you can discuss it, and then you want to discuss uh, sort of the parameters of what the inspection will be before you engage in a walk around with the OSHA inspector. Um, once you've kind of got all that in place, 
you'll walk around the job site with the ocean inspector and you want to accompany that person, he or she, the whole time. You don't want them just wandering off on their own and taking a look at stuff. You want to walk with them, keep focused on what they showed up for. And, and if they ask to see other stuff, you know, it can be a little bit difficult, but you want to try to politely, you know, decline that unless they have a good reason to take a look at something that they didn't show up there for. They can issue violations um, or citations rather for things that are in plain view. So if they're walking around and they see a, a violation or a hazard and it's in plain view, they might point that out to you. Um, but what shouldn't happen is that they just get free range to walk around the entire job site and tick off every single thing that could be um, a hazard and then try to give you a citation for that. So those are kind of some, some general uh, rules to follow, but obviously every, every situation is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Things will arise that you know, you're gonna have to make game time decisions, but hopefully that gives a little bit of a, a background um, on, on how to prepare for an ocean inspector showing up. So what are the three, like sort of the most important regulations, let's say the top regulations that remodelers should be aware of and be complying with at all times currently? Well, um, there's a lot of them that are, are important, but I guess I would, I would, how I'd answer that is to lean towards what are the most commonly cited issues, because some okay. of them are very important. You've got some, you know, for instance, hazardous substances like asbestos, depending on what your what types of what era homes your remodels are, are working on, that can be a significant issue. Um, and it can be a very dangerous issue and there can be big uh, potential fines if you're not following the uh, asbestos um, standards. But the ones that are most commonly cited that uh, your remodelers should worry about, number one is fall protection. That's the one that uh, OSHA published these lists every year that say what are the most common citations and fall protection is always up there on the list and that's for a few reasons. One, it's, it's kind of uh, a pain to comply with, frankly. Some of these requirements for having fall protection, they can be expensive and they can be difficult. So oftentimes they just aren't complied with because of the hassle, but it's also very easy to spot and see somebody that's not complying with, with the fall hazard um, protection requirements. So mm -hmm. in ocean inspectors driving by, you see a guy up on a roof, that's very visible. You can see that they're not using fall protection. That's a huge issue and it's a, it's a way for ocean inspectors to get into the door and then find uh, other issues. Um, the other ones are, are hazard communication, which are a bunch of standards, but essentially if you're using hazardous substances or building materials, you need to have the information um, on what those those substances are, and the idea is that your your workers are entitled to know what they're they're working with. So if they're using, um, you know, some some chemicals, um, joint compound or, or dust that can get in your lungs, um, other other substances in the workplace, uh, there's various requirements about having the the safety and data sheets for those materials. So that's another another big um, area that's commonly cited. Okay. So there are a number of other regulations that have but caused quite a stir, lead being one, um, asbestos, and there's the silica rule coming that's just been approved or uh, uh, but not clarified. Tell us where that stands and how that's going to affect our folks. Yeah, so there's a new rule that was issued last year, and it's uh, it relates to... Um, respiratory limits on silica exposure and, and silica is uh, 
a mineral and it's it's found in a lot of different building materials from tile to brick um, all sorts of stuff there there's been a, a rule on silica for for a few decades but the one that came into effect more recently last year uh, totally changes the requirements for the permissible level of silica exposure to your workers and the reason it's, it's caused quite a stir and the industry bunch of different people in, in various industries tried to um, limit it. There, there was even a lawsuit saying you can't implement this rule, OSHA, it's too onerous, we can't comply with it. So it's gone back and forth, but it, and it was delayed one time, but it ultimately went into effect and it is in effect now. Um, and it's kind of a complicated rule, but I would encourage all of your remodelers to go on the OSHA website and take a look at it because Essentially, what the rule requires, um, and it's, it's, there's different standards, one for general um, industry and then one for construction, which would be applicable to your remodelers. And what your folks need to know is that there's very specific requirements for different tasks that can produce uh, silica dust that can then be breathed in by your workers. Mm -hmm. And the rule requires that uh, employers take steps to lower the permissible level of, of silica exposure, essentially. And it can be as onerous as um, requiring and tracking the number of hours a person wears a respirator and then recording that and then providing uh, medical monitoring, so chest x-rays to employees to make sure that their lungs are okay from the silica dust. That's wow. kind of on the most onerous end, and you want to try to avoid that. And the way you can avoid it, um, OSHA has some, some guidelines that they've issued to try to help folks figure out how to comply with the silica standard because it's, it's complex. And the, the standard has this table that essentially says, here are these different tasks, and here's how you can put some protective measures in place to make sure your employees aren't, aren't exposed to silica. So, for instance, if you're using uh, a masonry saw um, and, and, you know, sawing concrete, which can produce dust, you have to use a masonry saw that is a wet saw and has a continuous, you know, flow of water. And as long as you do that, then you don't have to take additional steps like having your employees use a respirator, things like that. <laughs> so, essentially, a lot of it is common sense, um, but if you, if you run afoul of some of these requirements, and you're using a, a dry saw on, on masonry or tile or other things, um, then you can get in trouble, and then you might have to do some of these more onerous requirements like uh, using respirators, doing medical monitoring, stuff wow. that is big hassle that your remodelers don't want to have to do because it takes, you know, it takes time and it takes money. You know, it, I get the feeling from talking to a lot of people that everybody – Many, many, many people don't want to comply with OSHA regulations because, well, for a variety of reasons, of course, they need to because it's the law. But why do you think that many business owners or modeling company owners just don't want to do it or don't do it? Well, uh, one, it can be a pain. Um, you know, it can cost money trying to implement, you know, for instance, the fall protection measures or other things. Uh, but one of the biggest issues, I think, is that it's just incredibly complex, especially for a small business owner who's got a lot of other tasks to worry about. And you're not a big company that's necessarily equipped with 
a safety director that can just have this in, in his or her wheelhouse and solely focus on OSHA compliance. So it, it, it's difficult and it takes some time, but uh, OSHA does try to, they recognize that these are applicable to small businesses who might have a hard time trying to figure this stuff out. So they do offer some resources and they've got some guides for small businesses to uh, try to come up with OSHA compliance safety plans and to figure out what standards apply to them and how to comply with those standards. So if, if any of your remodelers are trying to navigate this kind of complex world, I, my advice would be the first step is to see what OSHA offers themselves. And then if you're having additional issues, uh, talk to somebody who really knows the area. There, there's various you know, safety and, and health folks that solely focus on OSHA that have a lot of resources. And then also you can speak with an attorney that, that knows the stuff if you're really trying to figure out whether something complies and how you can be compliant. Or if uh, you've got an OSHA violation or citation, then that would be the time to speak with somebody. So are you pretty familiar with some of the resources that OSHA offers? Because I read about a program that uh, provides consulting to the individual business owner or and, and they're, they're a an offshoot. They're not part of OSHA, or they, I'm not exactly sure, but they don't report. If you come to them and say, we need help being compliant, they're not going to report you to OSHA because you weren't compliant. Are you familiar with that program? Yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. So there's, there's a few different programs. Um, and first of all, I, I should take a step back. When we talk about OSHA, that's uh, federal OSHA that applies to everything, but there's also individual states that have their own OSHA program. It doesn't right. mean that there's two separate <laughs> things that you're trying to comply with, but uh, OSHA, the, the act, the law, essentially says the federal government's going to enforce this unless the state wants to take it upon itself to come up with their own OSHA-compliant program. So it's about half and half. There's 26 states that have their own OSHA program, and then those that don't, it's, it's the federal OSHA that does it. So some states have their own program, and, and the federal OSHA also does, it's similar to, I think, what you're, you're describing, and it's called different things, but essentially it's this. If you're, if you're a small business owner or even a large business owner, and you're not quite sure whether your workplace is compliant or if you have questions, you can call up OSHA, and they've got uh, compliance folks that they're not focused just on issuing citations and, you know, extracting a pound of flesh from businesses. Mm -hmm. They want to help uh, educate them to figure out how to comply with OSHA. So you can submit to sort of a voluntary inspection and the parameters of that are that they'll come out to your site, they'll take a look, they'll point out hazards. You won't get cited or fined for those hazards and it's confidential, but you do need to at least agree to address them. You can't have them come out and they, they take a walk through and say, hey, you need, to, you need to fix this, and then you just ignore it. That would be a problem. But it is a really good program, and it's something that I would encourage remodelers to take advantage of if it's something they're interested in, because it's sort of a, a free pass type thing. You can have somebody come out and give you almost yeah. a mock inspection, um, and there aren't the same consequences as though uh, an OSHA inspector actually shows up unannounced and could issue citations. So that's, it's kind, that's of a, kind of a mock, uh, trial run, if you yeah. will. It seems like a really good idea, unless they're going to be so incredibly picky with the things that they're going to uh, recommend you do. That it. So and so, I have to ask because I'm sure at least one 
or two other people out there are thinking it as soon as you said that. But if I call them, aren't I now on their radar and they're going to be monitoring me or keeping a watchful eye? Well, it's not supposed to work like that, no. Um, It's supposed to be kind of an anonymous program. Now, it would be pretty bad faith on OSHA's part if they if you voluntarily participated in that program and then because they, they know of you and they know of your job site, then they send somebody out to issue citations. Um, I don't think it works like that. I've never heard anything. I can see the, the hesitance that somebody might have to kind of voluntarily bring OSHA out to your site. Um, but also the reality is if you have that many hazards on your job site and you, you aren't focused on safety issues, you should know that before it's too late and before an ocean specter actually shows up for real and, and starts issuing citations. So what do you think is going to happen down the pike? I mean, you know, different administrations pull back regulations or add to regulations, and people are expecting certain things to happen currently. What are you seeing out there, and how do you see that that might change the, uh, the horizon? Yeah, good question. It's certainly an interesting time with the new administration. Um, last year at this time, and, and even during the um, campaign, uh, folks in the construction industry and those that have to comply with OSHA were pretty darn excited that we were going to be entering this new era of, of deregulation and rolling back all regulations. Um, and in fact, around this time last year, President Trump, uh, not the first thing he did, but one of the first things he did was issue an act saying, all government agencies like OSHA, uh, for every new rule or new standard that you pass, you have to get rid of two others. And so it's this kind of new new regime of, of deregulation. Um, they've run into a few bumps in the road trying to deregulate everything because it is it's, it's difficult to do. So even that act was subject to a lawsuit that's still kind of working its way through the courts. Um, but we have seen some fairly significant changes in, in OSHA. Um, even uh, setting aside trying to get rid of regulations because that takes some time and can be a little tough to do, just the mm-hmm. attitude has changed a little bit. Um, under the previous administration, OSHA would often issue these press releases, um, and they some folks referred to them as a name and shame technique. So they, mm-hmm. they publicly call out um, uh, a construction company or an employer and say, we issued this fine for this amount of dollars, and these were all the workplace citations that we found, um, publicly kind of shaming that, uh, that employer. Um, and that is now stopped under OSHA. They've got sort mm-hmm. of a new, new attitude about that, that they're less focused on the enforcement actions and more trying to help businesses like your remodelers um, make sure they're, they're compliant. Um, so it, it's difficult to see exactly what's going to happen. One of the things that OSHA, um, <laughs> um, one of the things that is up in the air right now is that uh, President Trump's nominee to head OSHA still hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, and so until that person is confirmed, it's a little tough to kind of set the stage for uh, what OSHA's priorities are going to be. Um, but we've already seen some of uh, the proposals that OSHA has for, for new rules that they had been trying to pass under the Obama administration. Those have already sort of been put on the back burner and uh, time will tell what happens. 
Okay. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, Ben. Uh, head spinning. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I hate to tell you, though, it's that time of the show. You know what time okay. it is? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's time for the lightning round. <laughs> and now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. 60 seconds on the clock. Let's do this. What's your favorite business book and why? Um, it's not necessarily a business book, but I, I think it's applicable to business, and that is, it's called The Undoing Game by Michael Lewis. I just read that. Fascinating. Did you? As a matter of fact, it's on Mark's shelf here somewhere. If you weren't an attorney, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I would be an architect. What are you not very good at? I am not good at remodeling or home improvement projects, <laughs> so I leave that to the professionals. Smart man. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? Room. If you were a tree, what kind would you be and why? I would be an oak tree because they're big and beautiful and they last for a long time. Okay, a penguin wearing a sombrero just walked through the door. What does he say? (laughs) Hot in here? (laughs) That's 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 good. good. That's it. Good job, Ben. All right. Well so done. thank you so much, Ben. It's, it's a fascinating topic. You know, it's not something that a lot of people necessarily want to dwell too much on, but it's so important for our businesses, our members' business. So thank you for that. So before we yeah, wrap it up, it. would you tell us how we, our members or how our listeners might get in touch with you if they wanted to know more or get advice? or? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm located in Minneapolis. They can give me a call. We could provide a link to my bio as well. But... Um, I'm available anytime if somebody wants to call to chat about any questions that they have. Um, We do litigation, so represent companies once they actually get into a lawsuit, but we also try to provide a lot of preventative counseling um, so that you don't get that far. So, yeah, you can call me. My number is 612-305-7693, or my email address is bcjohnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at nylonjohnson.com. Awesome. Great. Yeah, and we'll have that all in the show notes so you can, anybody that's listening can look you up. So before we wrap up, my dear, it's time for you to give our listeners some advice. What we're looking for here are your five words of wisdom. Stay safe. Make more money. (laughs) Perfect. Fits right in with our tagline. That's good. That's very good. Good job. Like it. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for being here. You were awesome. Great job. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You know, I wonder how many people, when they're starting a remodeling company, think about OSHA regulations. I'm sure everybody, it crosses their mind, but I don't think it stays there for more than a second and a half. Yeah, you know, and then poof, it's gone. But I got to tell you, it does send heebie-jeebies down my spine when I'm driving by a remodeling project and see a bunch of people up on the roof without any fall protection. No, you're scared of heights, though, aren't you? Yes, I am. But I also, we've had some stories over the years of, you know, yeah, stuff happening. Yeah. So we don't want that to happen to any of our listeners. Well, Ben's obviously a sharp cookie. He is definitely the uh, Harry Potter to the organization <laughs> that shall not be named. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. So that was a good one. We'll put all of Ben's contact information. Like he said, he... Um, he and his firm are happy to help with preventative um, education and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll have all that information in the show notes. Great. So another one in the can. That's this is awesome. Yeah. Good. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. Till next time. Take care. Bye.
This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.